You are listening to Building the Future, Green Building in the New Millennium, brought to you by SustainableHomesOfTheFuture.com. I'm your host, Ian Sollenberger, and this podcast is for anyone that wants to collaborate and learn more about how to design and construct energy-efficient buildings for an environmentally sustainable future. If you have questions about how to design and build with a lower environmental impact, or you'd like to come on our show as a guest, please email me directly at info at SHF, that's Sustainable Homes of the Future, shfbuild.com. Visit our website at shfbuild.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at shfbuild. Our mission with this podcast is to inspire you, our listeners, to go out and be sustainability advocates. Share these ideas so we can truly push this industry forward. We need each and every one of you to help us build the future today. Welcome back to season two of Building the Future, Green Building in the New Millennium, the podcast where we explore sustainable design and its cost-effective applications in the built environment, the human environment, and beyond. I'm joined today by my co-host, Ginger Matthews. Welcome, Ginger. Thanks, Ian, and a big welcome to all of our listeners. So happy to be here for our launch of season two. Uh, We'll be diving into a deep dives actually into some of the concepts we explored in our first season. So we're super glad that you could all be here for us. And for anybody watching us on YouTube, though these are virtual Zoom backgrounds, yes, we are both coming to you today from Santa Monica, California, which just so happens to be one of the greenest cities in the country. I interviewed the city design manager, Amber Rashane, for our first episode of season two, and you can listen to how they've been able to incorporate a whole host of really next level sustainability strategies into the design of what they're calling City Hall East. It's a super cool project. Um, What's on tap for us today, Ginger? Why don't you tell us? Sure. Um, Well, today's first season two deep dive is focused on mass timber, one of our favorite subjects. And we, we talked about this idea in earlier episodes of the podcast, so don't worry if you've never heard about it before, but it's actually not too different from traditional timber frame or post and beam construction. That's right. We're simply using new technology here to beef up the structural strength of the wood so that it can compete with concrete and steel as a viable method for mainly urban infill projects. It's great for projects and cities that are committed to lowering their environmental impact. And we'll talk about why. So important, Ian. And there's also opportunities with mass timber construction to speed up the project timeline and significantly lower costs during the build, something even traditional builders can get on board with. Don't you agree? I do very much. (laughs) So sticking around, stick around and uh, learn about the many benefits, of course, potential challenges of designing and building with this renewable, highly durable, and uniquely sustainable materials. So today we're gonna talk about carbon sequestration, heavy timber versus light timber construction, the environmental and social benefits of using timber instead of concrete and steel, and all to further a new wave of carbon positive building. So of course, we'll also identify the cost savings for builders one of our favorite topics as well. So Ian, how long has mass timber construction been around? Well, it's a really great question and it's a somewhat complicated answer. There are accounts of timber framed structures as far back as Neolithic Europe. So uh, millennia, 
uh, in Japan, but it became commonplace in England, France, and Germany during the 16th and 17th centuries. These half-timbered buildings, as they were called, they used split logs as structural members for the exterior and lots of different types of naturally occurring products, such as wattle, which is sticks, clay, straw, grass, um, to make up that infill on the exterior. But, but that's actually on the outside. Inside, they were using these large timber members, as you talked about, to span the width of the full first story. And then they're building additional stories on top. So not too different actually than, than modern podium construction. Hmm, interesting, but without concrete, of course. Right. I imagine you couldn't build very high with the technology available at that time though. We're just talking about two or three story homes here, right? Yeah, I found a few examples of five story construction in England back in the early 1600s. Um, one called the Bessie Surtees House in Newcastle that honestly looks like an ancient version of, of a mixed use commercial building that you'd see today. It's full glazing on the street side, you know, commercial on the first floor, looks like residential above. I showed you that picture before we came on. Mm -hmm, you're right, Ian. And if we look at more recent pictures, it looks like they installed modern windows without messing too much with the integrity of the building. Uh, really beautiful, actually, and quite impressive that a timber building is still standing 500 years after it was built. Using various types of wood, wood construction methods to build buildings that can stand the test of time is not new. Um, and that's what we're shooting for, right? Buildings that are durable and resilient mm -hmm. and just so happen to come with a lot of really positive externalities, like sequestering carbon and saving the earth. Uh, more about that later. Right now, let's go over the three ways to build with wood. Ginger, can you help our listeners understand the difference between timber frame and light frame construction? Sure, sure. Um, there's timber frame or heavy timber construction, like you said, which uses the large post and beam assemblies normally around eight, you know, the eight by eights um, as supports for the structure, as opposed to light frame construction, which really came into the scene mid 20th century for single family construction. So this uses two by fours, two by sixes, wall studs mm -hmm. for structural support and is generally not recommended for anything above two or three stories and is highly flammable, I might add. And one of the huge benefits actually of heavy timber over dimensional two by four, two by six lumber is that mass that you get with the wood. You know, it still burns, but once the outside of that eight by eight beam or larger is charred, it actually protects the inside and that structural integrity of the wood, which that's why they call it mass timber. Um, it's defined by using multi-layered dimensional lumber, often two by eights to engineer these heavy timber beams and panels. And it's used as a substitute for concrete and steel in taller structures. And it's been around in Germany and Austria uh, since the early nineties, actually, it's almost 30 years. And it's picking up steamy in here in the North America around the world. Uh, though one of the biggest barriers to using mass timber in the US is, you know, the old outdated building codes, lack of understanding about how high mass timber buildings could safely be built and the specific engineering requirements to do that. So the tallest proposed mass timber structure, 80 stories tall is slated to be in Chicago now. But, uh, you know, of course there will need to be quite a bit of testing back and forth between engineers, architects, building safety, safety officials um, before that comes to fruition. Yeah, yeah. And clearly at this point we've transitioned from talking about stick built and single family dwellings to now we're talking about larger commercial and multifamily structures here, which um, tend to be the best uh, 
application of mass timber in these urban areas with lots of surrounding buildings and busy streets, um, higher land value. If I'm a developer, Ginger, why in the world would I want to build with an unproven method of construction though? I mean, I'm thinking about investing millions of dollars in a valuable piece of land in the heart of a city. Where's my ROI? <laughs> well, first let's talk about the incredible environmental and social benefits of building with mass timber in lieu of concrete and steel. So we'll get the cost savings, don't worry. Very substantial. Right, okay, back to environment. Um, we <laughs> talked about carbon in the atmosphere a lot in our first season of the podcast. We talked about GHGs, greenhouse gases, GWPs, uh, global warming potential, embodied carbon, carbon sequestration. Uh, for more uh, on those specific terms, check out our carbon episode in season one. You'll find the link below. And this is the perfect time, actually, to say a big thank you to everybody that's out there listening. Um, we appreciate everything that you're doing to teach yourself, to educate others, to further this sustainability conversation. Um, and in order for us to keep doing this podcast, we need your support. So please go to our YouTube channel, Sustainable Homes of the Future. Hit that subscribe button. That would really help us out. Uh, check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, at SHF Build. And you can contribute to the cause on Patreon. Uh, we appreciate anything you can contribute, monetary or otherwise. What we're doing is building the future here, folks. So we need mm -hmm. your help. Uh, thank you, okay, thank you. Ginger. Yes, thank you. Um, we've established that carbon in the atmosphere is bad. What what makes wood such a sustainable product? I mean, doesn't it take a tree 100 years to grow? And, and <laughs> how exactly can mass timber buildings help turn things around when it comes to climate change? Uh, help me out. Well, you mentioned embodied carbon, which is the sum total of the carbon emissions produced through the entire life cycle of a material, including manufacturing and transportation. So if you compare a natural product like wood that grows in the earth versus concrete and steel, products that require a great deal of energy, heat, fossil fuels to manufacture and extract, and then process into the finished product, the amount of carbon produced by logging and sawing wood is infinitely smaller. So once you cut down the tree, you can plant another one in its place. Hey, that's cool. Wood wood is renewable, you know, obviously. So yep. it, it's much more sustainable in that respect. But, uh, you know, we hear a lot about the clear cutting of forests. And, and one of the things I've been wrestling with is how do we come up with, uh, you know, assuming that, that mass timber scales here and, and becomes popular, how do we come up with enough sustainably sourced wood to, to build all these ply scrapers, as I've heard them <laughs> referred to? It's not really a that. term of endearment, <laughs> but you, no. you'll get that blowback. You'll, you'll have some names called when you try to upend the concrete and steel industry, I guarantee. <laughs> danger, danger. So Ian, you've mentioned FSC and SFI before, and both forestry programs are market-led initiatives that provide certification to ensure that the wood is sourced from forests that are managed in a more long-term sustainable way. So it's not really any more expensive. It just takes awareness and intention, right? Yes. Yeah. And FSC, Forest Stewardship Council, and SFI, Sustainable Forestry Initiative, both uh, awesome programs. And I, I also just learned that, you know, certain types of trees that have already been cut down or have fallen down, such as beetle kill pine, um, there's lots of it in the Northwest. It can't really be used for for all the same applications that other wood can. It's 
perfect for the use in CLT and GLT. So good news. There are, there are multiple sourcing options that won't eliminate our ongoing supply of sustainable wood. And that's good news. So uh, Ian, would you let our audience know the difference between CLT and GLT? Yes, yes, of course. I forgot to define those. Uh, <laughs> there are a few other types of engineered timber, but but these are the main two. So CLT is cross laminated timber. Um, it has layers that are glued together at right angles. So alternating 90 degree, you turn it. Um, and what that does is produce the, the greatest lateral strength um, and it ends up having the structural quality similar to that of concrete. So it's perfect for these huge floor, roof and wall assemblies, um, but obviously without all the carbon emissions, yay. Same with GLT, mm -hmm. it's called glue lamb or glue laminated timber. They both use glue, um, but this one doesn't have the crisscross pattern. So it actually ends up performing more like a traditional sawn limber, uh, uh, <laughs> limber sawn timber uh, or steel beam. Interesting. So using these two products, I could build an 80 story high rise made it entirely of wood, I assume. Theoretically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Theoretically. Um, as, as you mentioned, however, there are code requirements that need to be in place before um, anything taller than 85 feet could be built. And that's not quite 80 stories. <laughs> um, no. but before we get into the nitty gritty of codes and financials, I, I, I wanna talk about the benefits of carbon sequestration, um, both while the trees are growing and after they've been used to construct a building. Two, two applications. Interesting. So by building with mass timber, we can realize the environmental benefits of planting lots of trees, which we mm -hmm. know is a benefit. Um, that literally sucks carbon from the air. And as long as we're sourcing the wood from sustainable forests, the building itself then becomes a carbon sink, continuing to absorb carbon from the atmosphere, just like a forest or a wetland or, or ocean. So I think that's absolutely fascinating and a great forward thinking solution for builders to consider. I don't think I could put it any better than Bruce King. So I'll just I'll quote him. He's the author of the new carbon architecture. Um, and he wrote, the built environment can switch from being a problem to being a solution. And that's really the crux of it. Uh, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. It's a really good read. But his goal is to show that carbon positive architecture is possible and it's completely necessary if, if we plan to add two or three billion urban dwellers to our planet within the next 30 years. Uh, we can actually build an urban forest. That's that's what <laughs> we're doing, you know, for lack of a better term there. Yeah. Um, so can we talk about time and money now, Ginger? And, and Oh, yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that there were timeline and labor benefits in using mass timber and construction. Can you break down how that translates to cost savings, Ian? I'd love to. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest misunderstandings about mass timber is that you have to have a specialized crew who's done it before and knows exactly what they're doing. And it's actually the opposite um, because of all the building components are prefabricated offsite and delivered flat pack to the site. There really is no specialty work required. You just need to crane operator to guide the puzzle pieces in place, no different than any other construction site. Uh, but it's honestly no more complex than building a huge Ikea cabinet. <laughs> Everything's engineered <laughs> to fit together perfectly, which helps speed up that process and actually brings down labor costs as well, which then translates to a more efficient and cost-effective project. Time equals money, absolutely. So that initial design process 
and the offsite prefabrication also serves to eliminate waste and city traffic congestion due to less frequent deliveries of materials, as well as the elimination of literally tons of on-site waste that could be hauled, that is usually hauled off daily from the site. So yet another environmental benefit of mass timber. And also one that ends up helping limit the cost of waste disposal and recycling. There are costs involved with those things too. So you'd be ex surprised how expensive those contracts can be for an urban infill project. Uh, the cost of permits to shut down streets can be less. And in this NIMBY era, the not in my backyard thing, right? <laughs> Being able to tell the neighborhood uh, when you're starting the process that it's gonna be faster and therefore less intrusive to the community is a huge leg up. Um, there's a, a mass timber building called T3 in Man Minneapolis, actually, and it's seven stories high. It was designed by Michael Green Architecture and it, seven stories, right? It was erected in two and a half months. You know, we live here in Santa Monica. I've seen two story stick built homes that take two and a half <laughs> years to build. So the, the two and a half months is really yes. fast for seven stories. Really fast. And to your point about labor costs, and most current mass timber projects claim about 50% reduction of on-site labor. So any additional design, engineering and materials costs are offset by reductions in the cost of time and labor. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it's also worth mentioning that as with any new product, the ability of mass timber production to scale in the coming years will definitely bring down those material costs. So the future of mass timber is looking pretty bright, I gotta say. It really is, and I'm so excited about it. So there are certainly some engineering seismic fire safety issues that still need to be tested and incorporated into ICC and local building codes, but there's no question that the many present and future benefits of building with wood far outweigh the current challenges. We think that's a good bet. Yes, thank you everybody for joining us today please go to our YouTube channel, Sustainable Homes of the Future, and hit that subscribe button. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and on Patreon, at SHF Build. That's our name. We appreciate anything that you can contribute. Uh, and remember, we're building the future here, so we need your help. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you, Ian. Big thanks to everyone listening to the podcast. So we hope we've enlightened you on the benefits of mass timber. ROI, cost savings, as well as the environmental and social benefits. So using timber is great instead of polluting building methods. That's right. So make sure you subscribe, um, leave us comments as well. You know, we want this to be an open forum of ideas and mutual conversation. Please tell us what future topics you want to cover. Um, if you're looking for more information about building with mass timber, please check out www.thinkwood.com. Com. It's a great resource with case studies and really cool pictures and design inspiration. Um, I just want to make one huge point before we go. So this shift to viability for tall wood structures and mass timber, it, it, the, the linchpin of the whole situation is that we use sustainable wood. And that's going to require a collective effort. We're going to need policy and market advocates and consumer education to make sure that the wood used in all buildings, not just mass timber, is sustainably harvested. Otherwise, that whole carbon sink idea goes right down the drain, uh, pun intended. Mm -hmm. But I'm confident that if we all work together as an industry, we can move buildings forward and force concrete and steel to innovate and keep up sustainability-wise. That's what it's going to take. <laughs> 
What a thought. Thanks every <laughs> yeah, thanks to everybody for tuning in to Building the Future, Green Building in the New Millennium, and we'll see you next time. Bye.